This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7. Welcome along to another edition of Talking Travel for our sponsor, Travel World on King. I'm Deb Austin and with me is Sally Lucas. Hello, Sally. Hi, how are you today, Deb? Good, thank you. Now, this week, we're continuing our journey through India. Yes, I thought I'd still go down this vein because there's a very interesting new trip being introduced to India, as was last week with this fantastic luxury um, rail journey we were talking about, which actually traverses India from Bombay across to Kolkata. Now, this one is actually a river cruise, Mm. which they transported a boat, and it took them some months to transport this vessel to India because they kept having cyclones and typhoons and goodness knows what, because they were towing it, I think, across from... um, They're built in um, either Burma or Cambodia, and they sail, most of them have been doing the Mekong. So we've talked about these cruises along the Mekong before, but now they've transported this vessel. Eventually it got there, Mm -hmm. a bit battered, but it's been... It was a beautiful new vessel, but they've had to do some repairs. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be doing this wonderful journey up the Ganges. And when you think of India... I guess we we think how interesting its history has been with um, culture, with mm. the, the British rule, with everything that's been there. It's a very colourful, interesting country with a lot of culture behind it. And I think just to do it this way, I mean, a slow river voyage is always wonderful. Take it all in. Yeah, and I mean, life was always on the rivers before roads were ever built. You know, mm. so you're experiencing life as it has always been lived from time immemorial. So you start going down any of these ancient rivers and you're just going to see life float by in a most relaxed manner. You've also got to remember that travelling around India can be a bit um, courageous on some people's paths because um, it's very busy, of course, with so many million people mm. and transport doesn't always run <laughs> as it should. So once you're on this river cruise, it's just fantastic because you'll be just pulling in and you'll be just hopping off and going ashore. Now, these vessels are, are built along a level of, um, I guess, a luxury looking, reminds me of a paddle steamer if you could vision, have a vision of what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. So it's a, a timber vessel, but like, they've only got about 28 staterooms. So it, we're not talking about a large vessel. And the actual cruise on the Ganges will start in Calcutta and then you go all the way through to um, Varanasi, which is where you you disembark. So all along the way here, you're going... um, There was another place, Chandanagora, which is a a French colony till 1950. So Mm. people forget this, that we've had all these different influences in India, which has led it to be such a colourful colourful country. And Mm. as we know, you've got the Himalayas in the north, you know, the wonderful mountainscape to come all the way down to the south of India with rivers and beautiful seasides. Fascinating and in all, in all areas, yes. It is. And um, if anyone wants to read a book, not that I'm here to talk about mm-hmm. books, but um, Shantaram, I don't know whether anyone's read it, written by an Australian, Gregory David Roberts. It's about 900-plus pages. Mm-hmm. It's the most fascinating insight, though, into India. And it's about he lived there for quite a number of years, on the run as it was. He was a criminal in Australia, mm-hmm. escaped from jail, went via New Zealand, got a false New Zealand passport and ended up in India. But the story of how he lived there and how he... he His um, style of writing just evokes what India is all about, which I think is very hard for us to understand living in a country with so many million people Mm. that, that they have to live a certain way to survive. Indeed, they would. 
a fascinating read. Yeah. A bit of light reading whilst you're on board. But, well, this is true. <laughs> I mean, this is really true. And, I mean, you actually venture 800 uh, miles along this river, which is considered mm. their holiest of rivers, the Ganges, of course. It's a very important river mm. to the people for bathing and all sorts of um, religious, yes, <laughs> funerals. Um, everything. Everything yes. happens in the river or on the river, you know. So I think it would be just a wonderful way for anyone who feels that maybe the train trip isn't for them or they don't really want to go on a coach tour or maybe they've been to India before but hasn't, haven't done the river like mm. we say you've been to Europe and done a coach tour but That's now you right. do these wonderful river cruises which weren't always available to us so we've got such a wide spectrum now where countries are opening up doors and we've got all sorts of different ways of travelling through a country so just put this one in your you know, little mindset somewhere that if you're wanting to travel to India and do it in a little bit of a different way itinerary looks absolutely fabulous I mean I won't go through it all now because it would take too long but it's a 15 day voyage and as I said it covers 800 miles of the Ganges so I think that would be fantastic and that's starting in September this year so we've got the rail journey starts January next year Mm. Um, that was an 8 day rail journey which again you can take in segments if you so desire as well and also now you've got this wonderful opportunity of travelling on a riverboat and doing the Ganges You're listening to Talking Travel with Sally Lucas. Now, Sally, some tidbits on airlines and a lot of other things. Yeah, I just thought it was always interesting to mention when we get little bits of news on airlines, just to keep people up to date with what's happening in the industry. Every year, we do mention this usually on air um, each year, the annual Skytrax Awards, which are awards for the best airline in the world. And it's done by uh, people filling out forms on board and they gather these from all around the world and collate, obviously, Mm. and come up with a winner. You can imagine how many there would be. Oh, heaps. (laughs) And Singapore Airlines wins it almost every year or every other year, and they have done so again. So that is not a surprise, I don't think, to anyone who has travelled Singapore Airlines. They really Mm. do know how to run an airline superbly, efficiently. Mm. They certainly do. These awards are now in their 10th year, and they're taken quite seriously by the industry. Um, A lot of importance is put on these results because um, we feel that, that the airline is really being properly gauged on Mm -hmm. where it's up to. Um, And it's responses from about 15 million flyers. That that is a lot, isn't it? So that's amazing, isn't it? And I'm sure you're one and I'm one, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who have participated in those questionnaires. And probably have their own thoughts on airlines. (laughs) And, of course, it can depend on the day, can't it, with crew? Uh, oh, uh, yes. I think it's how they wake up in the morning sometimes. But I think, yes. uh, I must admit, I have flown Singapore Airlines and they were magnificent. Yes. And my husband, I uh, flew them a few years back now, but um, he was lucky enough to uh, fly business class. And he mm. just said, and we have been lucky enough to fly business class with, with British Airways and Qantas. But um, Singapore Airlines, he said, was really phenomenal oh, by comparison, which mm. I haven't done Singapore Airlines. He went away on a business trip, lucky him, business <laughs> yes, class. They can. Anyway, but despite a turbulently, though, for Qantas, it still did well across most categories. And it came in third behind Singapore Airlines and then Cathay Pacific. Mm. The Asian airlines mostly take out the awards as a general rule of thumb, though we have had airlines like Etihad and Emirates up in those top three Mm. as well. Um, The Qantas first class lounge at Sydney Airport won top honours. Ah, yes, it's stunning. Mm. It is stunning. And I haven't been in there. Mm. (laughs) And it also received the nod for the best economy class catering. Oh, so that's okay. interesting, isn't it? And it was also voted number one airline in Australasia. Oh, well, you've got to give it to Qantas, haven't you? Yeah. So, mm. And Virgin Blue took top honours in the low-cost category for the Australian Pacific region. But mm. the other one too, Malaysia Airlines, it is usually up there fairly high and they have got the award, I think, for the last few years for best cabin staff. 
Ah, it's nice and friendly. Yeah. There's so, nothing worse than getting on board and oh. there's a sour person greeting you. Oh, mm. don't you hate that? <laughs> but the Asians really seem to do it well, I must admit. They have a lovely, they're always polite and respectful. And I think it, it's their upbringing as well, I'm sure, as the training the airline gives them. It's that basic upbringing they have in mm. their country of respect for other people. Yes, you're right. The other thing I thought I'd mention is to consider San Francisco as your gateway to North America. I mean, mm. I know most airlines go into LA, but a lot are going back into San Fran now, thank goodness. It is a good thing because oh. I think, do you think it's because and most people want to go there because of the attractions Hollywood, you know, Disneyland etc. Yes. And for a while there you see we weren't flying into San Francisco Qantas mm. lost their rights oh, right. and but we've now got airlines going back in there like Air New Zealand even goes even though you're going via Auckland and mm. United go in there as well as into LA as well now but what you've got to remember is with um, San Francisco Airport it's all under one roof mm. a nice alternative so you're not changing terminals and wondering mm. about what bus do I have oh you know how do I get from here to it's, there and it, all that it is it's really big Yes, uh, unfriendly it's, terminal. It's it's very unfriendly. Um, you've got a free people mover air train between the terminals in you know just a walking you know moving walkway yes. which gets you around. They've got a much faster processing through customs and immigration. It's also been gauged as having the shortest wait times amongst major U.S. airports. Mm. So that's as I said, all terminals under one roof, and they service from there more to uh, to more than sixty five U.S. cities, and they also connect with more than thirty national. Air, uh, international airports, sorry. Um, and so just consider it, and it's a lovely airport. It's very well run and very easy to go through. Mm. And moving along just from airlines for just a minute, because we've been talking cruising today, Deb, just to let people know um, that Aurora um, Expeditions has guaranteed their Arctic and Antarctic um, expedition cruising for the 2009-10 season. You might say, okay, well, what's so, what's so great about that? The greatness is that because of the financial downturn in the economy, a lot of the operators have been cancelling their Arctic and Antarctic cruises because people are not prepared to spend the money. Mm. But Aurora wants to keep the cruising going. They're saying that they are doing it tough, but they are going to guarantee so people will know their their cruise is not going to be cancelled on them. Oh, that's a good thing. And that is a good thing. So just keep that in mind. And one, just one more little airline thing. Um, Qantas apparently is going to temporarily scrap first class on a lot of its services. Yes, Did you hear that? Mm. Because of um, the downturn again. It's mainly on um, a couple of services, um, not on all services, the San Francisco, Buenos Aires and Melbourne, Hong Kong, London routes. Okay, mm. and also it looks like they're going to be charging now if you want extra leg room. Yes, yes. Todd made mention of that the other morning, yes. so that is very interesting for people with long legs. legs. And mm. there was a letter to the editor from a gentleman who sort of said, like, you know, I can't fit in a normal economy class seat. But I go, I don't, I don't know. It's a strange thing, I guess. And people often talk about that if a person is. Um, you know, a bit overweight and can't fit in the seat. They say, well, they should pay for business class. But what if you can't afford to pay for business class? Absolutely. You shouldn't be prevented from flying. No, not but necessarily. Anyway, just to let people know, there appears to be a, a charge in favour of about $160 for long haul routes anyway, if you want that extra leg room. Yes, I think they're going to make about $2,000 a flight. Yes. Sally Lucas, thank you again for another wonderful session of Talking Travel.